Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 512 of Flow Wrestling Radio Live. I'm your host, Christian Piles, joined once again by my co-host, Ben Askren, who's coming at us. He has power in his home for now. It might go out. We don't know. It could go out. We never know. Same here. And joined his triumphant return, the last FRL we did together. Do you remember? What was no, it? Not it was, it was Yeah, you do. I, it, was, it was an emergency FRL. Oh, Thomas Gilman. Gilman. Oh. Gilman. Okay, so it's been since whenever he went to Penn State. This is the last time we had Nomad at this desk beside me. But it's good to have him back. He's been all over the place. Um, but, man, we've had – Nomad's had a morning already, let me tell you. So, Ben, apparently – uh, I'm excited to hear about it. Yeah, so you, you've got some storms, apparently, uh, in Wisconsin, which uh, we've got them here. So it's pouring. It doesn't really rain much in Texas, but when it does, it's like – Torrential. We're in a desert. By the way, episode five one two, the Austin, Texas edition oh, of yeah. FRL. Wow, I didn't realize that. Yes, five twelve. Oh there you go. Here in Austin, we should have balloons or something, Christian. We should have. We should, this is bigger than episode five hundred, really. So it's it's. Uh, I I got here early enough. I got here before the rain, but then you know, half hour after I get here, it starts pouring rain. I'm like, oh man, anyone that's gonna have to come in. There's a little bit of a walk to get inside. So Nomad washes up. He parks. And he comes wait, inside. Wait, wait, wait. What? What is he washes up? What does that mean? Yeah, no. I kayaked in. He's on. He's he gets out of his car. And he's like tiptoeing through the parking lot. No man owns a car. No man owns a car now. No one said it's his. He drove a car here. It could be anyone's. <laughs> Who's to say? So he comes in. I let him inside. He's completely soaked. Like he is head to toe drenched. And he's like, ask me if I have extra pants. And I don't have any extra pants, any shorts, anything like that. Christian, how unprepared are you? I'm very Who unprepared. Who doesn't come to work with extra pants? I normally do. I normally do. Um, so we're like what, scrambling what to do because his pants are completely saturated. It's miserable. It's just, These are just wet pants. These <laughs> bad, are very wet pants. Bad situation. It's not good. So, you know, I need Nomad on his A game. So I'm like, what can we do to get him some pants? J.D. Raider... <laughs> Our, our content guy who has been gone off the grid in Omaha. Um, Three months? For th- since since mid-March, okay? Oh, my God. He's, his laundry bag has been here since this time. We have a laundry service here. It's a great place to work, Flow Sports. And they do our laundry. But he left his, here, his laundry here for three months. So Nomad goes through it. Wow, he's going he's gonna to hike his leg up there. And he stole J.D. Raider's sweatpants and put them on. And then... He takes them out of the, the laundry bag, 
And instead of, you know, going to the restroom and putting them on, no one's in here, but we're in the huge open office. He just drops his pants and throws on the sweatpants in the middle of the the it, office. It's just me and CP here. I wasn't going commando. And, yeah, you know, it's, it's it's a wrestler. You know, you quick change. Yeah, I don't, I didn't uh, care, but, you know, it was, I don't see it was the just issue. a bold move. I'm also going Ben Funky Askren style because my shoes were oh. soaked, and everyone knows that just walking around in wet shoes is terrible, so I'm also barefoot. He's barefoot. Oh, well, you want to know one record I have at the University of Missouri, Christian? <laughs> just one? <laughs> yeah. So this one time, we got done with a six-mile run. Coach Smith, Coach Smith, he's getting soft because we used to do them every week, like, say, anywhere between four and six weeks, depending on the calendar fell, for the fall. And now, now they do them, like, once because Coach Smith, get, he's getting older. He's getting a little too nice. Oh, um, so, yeah. So, anyways, we finish, and I have this test. I, don't remember, I think it was maybe statistics. Yeah, it was statistics because it was easy because I, I finished it in 11 minutes. No problem, Bubba. Um, <laughs> So I drive through this puddle. Well, what happens, Christian? My car, my car, good old trusty Camry stops. It got flooded with water, okay? Uh-oh. And it is torrential downpour. So I'm like, oh, like it's, in, it's literally in the middle of an intersection. So I'm like, okay. Um, okay, I guess I got to push it out. So I, I, I get out by myself. I push my car out of the puddle, and um, – I call AAA or, or somebody, and they say, you know, we can be there in 45 minutes or whatever. Well, I got I got a test in like 12 minutes or, or something here. So I am soaked. I have my shoes are now soaked because I was literally standing in the puddle, and I'm like, damn, I got I got a test in 12 minutes. So I grab my pencil, I grab my calculator. I had just shorts on. I booked it. No shoes, no shirt. Took a test in 11 minutes. Set a record for taking a test with the least amount of clothing on because it was only one, and no one could beat that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's so funny. Did you have to explain anything to your teacher? No, I mean it was it was one of those really big auditorium type classrooms where there's like four hundred people taking the test. So, you know, I just like sat in my seat, there was, you know, a test on every desk. I did it. You know, they did look at me really funny when I walked up there with no shirt and no and no shoes on and I handed in my test in eleven minutes. Uh, but I was really good at statistics, so it was easy. Got got a good grade. Yeah, were you a really good student? No, I didn't really care that much. I mean, I was like, I never got below a 3.0, but I didn't have much incentive to go much above that. Got it. Got it. All How right, about well, you, Christian? You were, you were a 4.0, weren't you? No, man. I was I was a terrible student. Absolutely. Really? Absolutely, yeah. At one point... Uh, wow. Man, at one point in high school, one semester I had... <laughs> I'm not like proud of this, but it's true. I had a 0.9 GPA at one point. In high school, what? Christian Miles had a point nine. I was a ter- I'm a terrible. Uh, he was yeah. barely above the legal limit. Yeah, barely above the legal limit. Point oh eight. Um, yeah, very bad, very bad student. Why? Um, I don't. I'm not. I'm Was not this entirely like a rebellious sure. phase in your life, or no? Like absolutely. What? I'm yet to enter that phase in my life. I don't know. I was just bad. I I like. I tried and stuff. Just really bad. Are we at talking it. about high school or college? No, high school. I did good in college. I had like. I probably was never under a three in college, okay. but in high school I was terrible. In the hard, I did okay. bad at the hard classes. Like I was terrible at math. I bombed chemistry. Like I'm, not, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not particularly. I don't know. Smart. Chemistry. That, that was a terrible class. I'm terrible bad. class. I, I, bad that was, student. That was my worst one. Also, yeah. my favorite thing about chemistry class is when we'd be taking the test, and our teacher would be like going over the test and taking it at the same time we would, and she'd be like. Oh, and we'd all look up like, all right, what, what's that supposed to mean? She'd go, 
Don't do number 12. I got that one wrong. Oh, that's great. What a great teacher. Um, yeah, so no, very, very bad student. Um, not proud of it, but whatever. It all worked out. Okay, so Nomad's here. We're excited about that. Ben has power. They've got storms in Wisconsin, and we're ready to go. And Ben, we teased this forever. I know. Yeah. I, I kept uh, yeah. I kept leading I, you I, on, I, but you I know, told I'm you it was really going to be worth it. I'm really bad with secrets. I, I wanted to kind of, you know, I, I I knew one day ahead of time. You guys didn't tell me that far ahead of time because you knew I was terrible with secrets. But I did keep the secret for a whole 24 hours. Thank you. Did you tell Ozzy? Ozzy thinks Pat Downey's a bum, too. <laughs> okay, so what do you think? What are your thoughts, Ben? It's awesome. I'm so excited. It's real wrestling. It's happening. July 25th. I can't, I can't wait. Uh, and you're coming. I said that on the show. I hope you are still yes. coming. I am I am still coming. I'm looking, very much looking forward to it. Uh, Dave Chimizo is fun. Uh, you know, I'm actually, you know, I said on Twitter, I think Dake's probably the favorite. I mean, I don't, do you guys feel that way? Or am, I, I, I kind of went back and forth on it because then when I said that, I'm like, oh, maybe he's not. But maybe, you know, I don't know. What do you guys think? I do think he's the favorite. Um, but I think the points are going to be really hard to come by. And yeah. What's the scenario? What's the path to victory for for each guy? I mean, I think both guys have reliable leg attacks. I think mm-hmm. Dake probably just has a couple more ways to score. If Chimizo shoots, I think he could exploit that. I think Dake could go and get it if he needed to. He's definitely better parterre. But well, yeah, I mean, for for me, uh, I think Chimizo. He's so crafty. Is it going to be one of those situations where? You know, Kyle Dake has the uh, probably best chest wrap in America, we'll say, mm-hmm. and and one of the best gut wrenches in America. Is it when we have a situation where, you know, he thinks he's going to be able to do his Chimizo too, and Chimizo is a little too crafty, and he steps over a gut wrench or, you know, flies to the other side on, on a chest wrap or something to that effect? Is that a possibility? Um, and, yeah, if they, if they do get in scrambles, I wish we could, like, you know, force them to be in scrambles or six minutes straight because that would be just totally entertaining for me. Uh, you know, but I do think they'll be both very cautious, uh, and, and the, like you said, the points will be hard to come by. Yeah, I think not for a lack of exchanges, but for sure. I mean, I don't think who's the closest. Wait, what, do you, what, do you mean, what do you mean by not not for lack of exchanges? Well, I think guys will. There will be attempts, and there will be you really? know they'll, they'll mix it up. I think so. Yeah, I think oh, so. I, I feel like I feel like I feel like they both are the kind of guy they never wrestle each other. To my knowledge, am I wrong on that? They never wrestle each other. Never, never, never. Okay, I think they're both the kind of guy who's gonna like feel each other out. Don't you guys feel like that or no? Maybe I don't know, but it's it's really tough to peg Chimizo. I think he's been too marginalized as a defensive guy. I mean, I went because I went on a because my son doesn't know who he is, so we were watching it together. What? Yeah, he's like, who's? Why would you keep Caleb from that? I didn't. That's why we watched it, Ben. He's more of a folk style guy. Yeah, he's he's a folk styler. Um, oh, okay. Currently, uh, if if Chimizo was at Iowa or something or in the Big Ten, he'd probably watch him all the time. Uh, Uncle Uncle Nomad needs to take Caleb under his wing. No, not yet. <laughs> he's not ready. <laughs> I don't know if we want that just yet. <laughs> so, so we were, I was watching. I was like, man, he's he's got more reliable, consistent leg attacks than I think people give him credit for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so with yeah, that he, he, considered, go ahead. 
Yeah, I was saying just if you consider that, you consider Dake, I think, are more reliable and consistent than people realize. I think they're going to mix it up. And, you know, it's an exhibition, right? It's not the World Finals. Yeah. It's not – We. My, my question is who have we seen Dake wrestle that even has an approximate style to Shimizo, right? Like really – Yeah. Creative, well, scrambling. Uh, who who does have an approximate style to Chimizo? Anywhere, anywhere, any weight. I mean, he he. I feel as though he's he's so unique. There's probably only a couple people who do really similar stuff to him anywhere. Yeah, there's um. When you think, I mean, he has a very European style about him, even though he's Cuban and wrestles in Italy. Um, you know, Dake's beaten some Russians though. But I think that's what makes him so unique, right, is the combination of growing up with the Cuban influence, which is a supremely mm-hmm. defensive style with kind yeah. of a European feel. When you combine those, you get something that pretty much no one has ever seen before. Um, to me, what I want, I want Dake to go on the clock first because Kyle Dake hates giving up points, and he will absolutely, I think he will absolutely go after him. And then, but the, the reason I think Dake is a big favorite is because Frank Chimizo's worst position, we've seen this over and over again, is body lock. And Kyle Dake is absolutely tremendous from body lock and will have a size advantage. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's that's going to be his game plan going in is try to bomb him. Man, I watched I watched Chimizo body lock Togrul Asgarov straight to his back. Um, I don't know how much of a weakness it is. I think he's, he's all right there. I'll give you that one. I've seen him get body lock to his back more than I have seen him win that position. Yeah. Probably <laughs> two-to-one basis. Maybe. Maybe. Right. Uh, we, need, we need a deep dive on that, the amount of body locks that uh, Chimizo's been in and how many he's won. Well, uh, Gazi Magomedov bombed him to the next planet in, uh, let's see, Kolov finals, one of those. I promise you, I promise you that's that's a position he has lost more than he's won. Is that the is okay. that the one that Dake split with? No, no, that was Gadji Magomedov. This is the problem. Yeah. This is the problem with these names. <laughs> yes. I thought very similar. there's Gazi and they're Gadzi, Gadji, and they wrestle the same weight. Mm-hmm. But I, yes. also there's – um. Here's, here's one thing with Dake and why maybe on this occasion are the scales – could they be tipped a little for Chimizo is – he kind of uses his the first time he puts his hands on someone as, as a learning opportunity. First time he wrestled Gadji Magomedov, he lost and lost kind of decisively. Then he kind of figured it out. First time, I mean, we're going back to 2013 now, but it's a, it's a pertinent example. Gets teched by Burroughs, then he loses to him by criteria. So there's something to be said for Wait, his, what? 2013? 2013? Yeah. With Burroughs and, the Burroughs? Burroughs and Dake, yeah. Where? The had been US, well, no, the first time wrestled was U.S. Open because Burroughs still wait. Burroughs wrestled in the Open back I, then. I, I thought you said. I thought you said. Didn't you just say? Oh, I think you said Burroughs Chimizo. Burroughs and Dake, twenty thirteen. Oh, okay, okay, sorry. I so I'm saying that. I Dake, Burroughs and Chimizo. Mm-mm, Got it. Mm-mm. So Burroughs okay. and Dake, Dake used that first match as like an opportunity. All right, mm-hmm. got destroyed, and then made some adjustments and got a lot closer. I wonder if it's something like that where will he be able to learn and figure out all the tricks Chimizo has in real time and then turn it around. It's a real, it's a fascinating one. And really, I, Nomad, you correct me if I'm wrong. Um, 
the way I look at 74 internationally. Now, this is another thing worth mentioning before we go into that. Chimizo oh. is a 74 coming up to 79, right? Dake did not want right. this match down at 74 yet. He well, wanted it up at 79. When are, when are they doing weigh-ins? Because I, I didn't see this announced. Are they doing weigh-ins day before, more day, of? Um, I should I should really know this, but I think they're day I before. Think it's, <laughs> no, I no think they're day of. I think it's three-hour weigh-in. Three-hour weigh-in. Okay. So it wasn't wasn't Chimizo really specific about the weigh-in with Burroughs a couple of years back? Oh, absolutely. At, At Beat, Beat the, the Streets? Streets? Yeah. Well, that was, what was the deal? I don't, I don't remember exactly. So it's, it's interesting because his whole thing was, Chimizo's thing was, for that one, I'm coming up. I'm a 70. I'm coming up to 74. So the rule, the weigh-in needs to be kind of catered with that in mind. Now, this is what I didn't like that is because the whole time I'm like, he's a 74. He's going 74 from here on out. He's not a <laughs> 70 anymore. And he never went 70 again. So, yeah. but that doesn't matter. But so because we know he is going to be a 74 for the Olympic years and beyond. But so, yeah, he was really particular then. And I think it, he's he was particular now. Hey, he wanted it. at He wanted it at 74. So now he's I would say he's being less particular. And Kyle mm. Dake is being more particular because, um, mm. you know, I, I think someone someone yeah. asked, why does why didn't Dake want it at 74? I was like, well, very obviously he didn't want to cut make a major cut right now. Right. And. But uh, I don't blame you would think that. that how many times has Kyle Dick made seventy four now? And, and, and seventy four, not like in the past, because seventy four with new, the new rules, because that's relevant also. Mm-hmm. Mateo, how many times? Mateo Pelicone, where that might d- be it under that the new weigh in rules. Yeah, because he's yeah. been seventy nine for the last two years. That's a good point. And that was a tough cut for him. Yeah. he got better as the day yeah. went on. Yeah, so I mean, I, I but I understand Dick not wanting to use this as like a seventy-four rep, right? It's like probably hasn't he hasn't wrestled a match in how long since then? Yeah, I yeah. Is I mean, but fish. the hard part, Chris, is what, well, when's his next tournament he's going to use as a rep? I mean, right? I mean, we don't know. We don't know at this point what the schedule is going to look like going from here to next April. So, man, I I feel like they might as well just get the reps in while they can because who knows which ones they're going to get. Yeah, and tr- truthfully, if there's world team trials or something, that could be the next time, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's interesting because, yeah. um, you know, Dake, when he was an 86-kilo guy, he weighed like 177, right? So obviously, on uh, yeah, trying to be as big as he could, that's all he got up to. So it makes me think he's probably grown since then. Since 2016, I mean, yeah, that's what which is saying. weird because in, in 2016 he was what 26 or 24, something like that. Yeah, he's so, older. And I mean, but he's changed up his diet. He's changed up uh, how he trains, and you know that could have led to some weight gain. Yeah. O- I mean, time. wasn't there rumors? Wasn't there rumors, Christian, that he weighed in under the 79 kilo limit at Worlds? I don't remember that. Mm. I don't remember no. ever hearing that. He might, there. I'm not, but now that you mentioned it, I kind of do remember something about that. I, I, I can, feel like, I, yeah, I feel like I remember that, which means, I mean, 79, 75, 74, there's only five kilos apart. That's 11 pounds. If he was under, it just naturally, that means he's not all that much bigger than 74. Yeah, yeah. But regardless, the match is going to go down at, at 79, two two-time world champions. Um, and what I was going to say about 74 is, 
I view 74 kilogram the race for the world or Olympic. I I could be worlds first now. As basically four guys can win it in my mind: Jordan Burroughs, Kyle Whoa. Dake, Frank Chimizo, Sitikoff. That's tier one. That's the tier one. Those are the four big contenders, right? Mm-hmm. So that we're this is very realistically a potential world or Olympic final. Now there's two guys with a lot to say about it, including the reigning two-time world champion who is two and zero against Burroughs and beat Sitikoff, uh in the world finals. Let's get Sinikov over here in like October to wrestle somebody. Man, you, you, got, you got his agent's number? Can you call him? Can you call it the Caucasus Mountains? Sinikov. 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 He's Ossetian. Yeah. Um, Sinikov. I was told was uh, very open to a match. Uh, mm. Actually, you know what? What's um, Novogratz said it? He on wanted Vader show. So Sinikov sounds he like won't. he's down to tango. Let's do it. Christian, call him up. Can we get him live on radio right now? Yeah, maybe a slight uh, language barrier, but Nomad is the uh, – he can probably break it down, translate for I wonder. Us. I wonder if he's on Instagram because maybe I can hit him up there because, you know, these, these Russians, they harass me on Instagram. And one, Why? <laughs> okay, Christian, so uh, I forgot. Okay, so I didn't use Instagram. I didn't, I didn't use it at all. I had one. Well, because mm-hmm. someone actually started for me, a fake one, and then Tyron Lily got it back for me. Um, but when I got traded to the UFC, I had my information on there. With that, with I didn't even I didn't even know it, right? Like Dude, your phone? It, yeah, Are yeah, you? yeah. So in like in like <laughs> in like the course of three days, I got maybe like nine hundred WhatsApp messages, all from a plus seven uh, international code, which is somewhere in Russia. Oh my gosh. Yeah, were no, they real? No, you probably get harassed by the plus. Yeah, they were real. Yes, That's... they were. They were trying to tell me about all kinds of crazy stuff. And then they, they, you know, you you guys use WhatsApp or no? I'm familiar with it. I don't use yeah, it much I, because Nomad ever... Nomad uses it. <laughs> I've, I've only ever used it when I'm overseas. Uh, okay, it's it's a good app. Yeah, but yeah, the Russians harass. I'm gonna look up Sitikov right now. All right, tra- track him down. Do the Russians like you? Uh, I don't know. I'm fairly likable. Depends on if you. <laughs> they wouldn't like you if you were about to fight Khabib. Depends on how many bad things I've said about him. I don't think you've said that much. Oh bad. yeah, he, he's he's even uh he's verified. verified. Zalabek Sitikov, uh, 59k followers. Looks like a nice looks like a nice gentleman. He seems like I'll a cool guy. That's uh. I was talking to. He kind of pisses me off when he beats Burroughs in the last second every time. So I kind of don't like <laughs> yeah. him for that. I was talking to Lauren, uh, Jordan Burr's wife, after Worlds. She's like, you know what really sucks about this group of Russians? They're so much more likable than when Jordan was younger. Oh, Godoyev like, and, like, Sargush could not be, like, less likable individuals. It's like, these oh, guys Sargush are... Sargush is like the... He's the yeah. worst. He, he was evil. He was, like, evil, <laughs> evil villain. <laughs> oh, man. But the coach... To Diev. Oh, yeah. Just, is, you can just tell. He is a Bond villain. You can look at his face. You're like, oh, boy, this is trouble right here. This guy. Um, but, yeah, the Russians are, like, the current group of Russians that pretty much comprise their world team are far more likable. Yeah, than, how do you not like Sajalayev? Even though he, like, beats beats Kyle, it's like, seems like a really nice, hardworking, humble right. dude. And right. Like, made, if he was American, we would be, he yeah. would be a champion of champions. Yes. He he probably he'd probably be uh, running for president right now, but 
He's going to run for president of Russia at some point. He'll never win that. Dagestan. Right after Khabib. Oh my right gosh. Khabib. Maybe president of Dagestan or whatever they have there. Surab Village. Hey, Mayor we. So, okay. So that's okay, Dave Chimizo. I, I, I just sent Sidikov a message. It's 439 on Tuesday, June 23 over there. So, you know what? Who knows? Maybe he'll respond to me by the end of the show. <laughs> that would be wild. Rise and grind up by six. Yeah, he's, he's probably. No, no, no. PM. 439 PM. Oh, over oh, there. That, like, makes, you know, that makes more sense. Yeah. He's getting ready for dinner. You know, he's hungry. Okay. We'll talk plenty about Dave Chimizo because uh, we have till July 25th. Ben, I'm going. Me, Mike Mal, and uh, two shooters are headed to the East Coast to do some content with these guys. So what about uh, we we gonna talk about Downey Taylor? Yeah, we're gonna talk about Downey Taylor. Talk about that there's next. That's a bad blood. That is the worst blood. That is uh, <laughs> these two guys. The worst blood. Worst blood. <laughs> yeah, these guys are not fans of one another, and I can understand why, especially if you're David Taylor. I could be feeling hey he's not pat downey jr this is pd3 um pat downey jr is pat oh, downey's oh. father did he, did he officially, did he officially i bet david, well, no, it just says david probably wants to beat up pd oh. jr too he'll, yeah he'll probably say line him up but um oh, yeah wait, I mean, so hey christian I, I forgot to mention i don't know if you're in the facebook chat your mom's on here so don't, don't be saying anything too crazy oh gosh deb she, and she, and she literally wrote cp's mom is watching <laughs> That's uh, Bracky, ban my mother. <laughs> Before I get scolded about my bad grades again. Uh, um, that... <laughs> such, a dis- such a disappointment. Okay. Um, all right, I'm going to try to recover there. Downey Taylor, listen, if you're if you're David Taylor, how can you not be, like, just chomping at the bit for this match? Can we talk about why, though? Uh, Pat, yeah. Why? Well, Pat Some accused of Taylor of, like, really serious things. Yes, yes, doping and other stuff that completely unfounded and um, unfair. And, you know, D- David's just kind of sat back and not – he's not really engaged. Um, mm-hmm. But you know that he well, knows you know, that if, if, you start, if you start throwing mud with someone, Christian, you're going to get muddy. Well said. Very true. And yeah. Um, yeah. Calling into question somebody's legitimacy as a competitor is – just you're asking for a whooping. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it, right? To put it simply, yeah. And for for Downey, you know, maybe I, I think it's a good opportunity for Downey because everyone knows to make the team, you got to beat David Taylor, right? Mm-hmm. And this here's your first chance to wrestle him since 2017. He teched you twice in 2017, I believe. Mm-hmm. And here's a proving ground for you and an opportunity to see where you how you stack up against the guy that is the the gold standard for the weight not just domestically but internationally as well the man hasn't lost since 2017 world team trials um yeah to Jaden, who he also beat in that in that series um how ben what were your thoughts when you heard david wanted the four minute periods and the no tech falls i thought that was hilarious um, and you, you give him two extra minutes. Pat Downey's gonna be very tired. But if someone said how many points could he score, and I, I don't really know what the answer is. Freestyle's funny though because he got a lace. I mean, he could rack up say twenty points in a lace if it got you know happened on the right spot on the mat. Um, yeah, I, listen, I'm in. I was in for it, uh, and I don't know why you guys didn't do it. I thought it'd be a, a fun gimmick. 
Yeah, gimmick. Because it's a gimmick. We want a freestyle okay. match, not a gimmick. But yeah, it was, it was interesting. <laughs> You don't want a gimmick I, match? No, want a real match. Um, uh, we've done gimmick matches before. Downey was in our last gimmick match when he wrestled uh, Nikki Rod. That was oh, fun. Yeah, that was ridiculous. That was yeah. I didn't like that gimmick match because it was just like so uncompetitive. Yeah. Combined time on their two matches from 2017 U.S. Open, 2017 World Team Trials, 5:57. Yeah. So 20 total. nothing in 5:57 extrapolates to yeah, like 26, 27 points. But, but you got to but no man you can't extrapolate that because those two more two extra minutes are when he'll be the most tired. Yeah, it could it could go it's probably 26 at a minimum. But that yeah, assumes yeah. 2017 version of of Pat Downey, which I don't think is going to be the case. I think we've Listen, this guy Pat Downey, you're not going to like to hear this Ben, but you have to accept these words. You need to accept well, Let's hear it. He's world class. <laughs> This guy made the world team in America. He was a match away from qualifying the weight from being top five in the world. Okay? He is on the level, right? Now, is he as good as David Taylor? We don't know about that. What are we going to define as world-class, Christian? Man, if you're a top ten in the world, if you're a top ten in the world at something, you have to – because Ben Askren, I need you to say the words. PD3 is world-class. PD class, PD3 is a world-class bum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, Ben, so there... Yeah. No, you guys are right. I'm just giving you guys a hard time. I mean, so there's the composition of a weight, right, where you have seemingly two guys who are way ahead of everybody else in terms of Yazdani and Taylor, like, over the past mm-hmm. three years. Yeah. But there is still something to being top 10 at an Olympic weight mm-hmm. and having multiple wins of really good guys. Going through yeah, the I'm ball just, I'm just making the U.S. Just, team. I'm just being the heel over here. Uh, you, guys, you guys are right, of course. Does, We're all wearing black today. Who wrestles? Who wrestles a harder? <laughs> um, who wrestles a harder pace internationally than than David? He's he's uh, he's up there, pretty high. I went I went and rewatched his 2018 no, Haji's Haji's melded some dudes. Yazdana yeah. Tarati is the one I would say, except he's been melted twice by Taylor. Yes. That, yeah. that is no, the most no, insane nobody. thing is you you have two of the top five. They're liquefiers. Yeah. They liquefy humans. And, and liquefiers. Yes, melted. One of the greatest videos on Flow from the past four years is Yazdani, after losing to Taylor, just hands on his knees. just He couldn't get up. He couldn't move. Amazing. He was, he was so yeah. tired. And then um, I rewatched him get w- kicked in the face. That was crazy. Ooh. I would say, though, if Bo Nickel had won eighty six, I and I listen. I've already admitted that Downey's world class, so don't don't come at me on that one. I I will say that that Bo Nickel would have beat Pat Downey to make the team in twenty eighteen had he chosen to go to that weight class, which I have no idea why he didn't, because um, he would have been there. And then I, I think there's a potential that he would have qualified. Uh, the weight for the United States for the Olympics. I don't. I don't disagree with that either. Um, okay. I mean, he literally texted Pat Downey when they wrestled. Now, Pat will Pat will refute that by saying he literally just finished his match with Gabe Dean, and like a half hour later had to wrestle um, Bo Nickel, which that would be really really hard to do. And I think he got the first but, takedown. 
Didn't Bo have a match prior to that? He had he had a little more time, um, as I, as I recall, it, and he didn't have to wrestle Gabe Dean the previous match either. Yeah, but those were the rules at the time, but, man. No, I'm not. Yeah, saying, he would have I'm had not someone ex- in that round. I'm just giving you a little context, guys. I'm I not, hear you. I'm I not hear making you. an excuse, Bo. Bo, I think Bo probably would have beat him. Anyways, but what, just what year was that, guys? 2017. Also, Downey was like training at a farm in Wisconsin with Ben Provisor at this point in time. It's not like he was in like an uh, ideal well, training he, environment. Seventeen. Done that one to himself. You, you were right, Ben. Well, yeah. he, he did get the first takedown off a of slide. But I actually called this match. Now that I remember it, Nomad called it. Hey. Yeah. So he did get the first takedown. Let's see, eighty-six. I'm seeing who uh, who did Bo wrestle. Okay, so Pat Downey. Pat Downey beat Pete Renda in a competitive match. Where's Bo Nicolette? Bo Nickel loses to – oh, he lost to Richard Perry in a in – a, oh, that was a good match. I remember that one. Oh, that was a good one. Richard Perry. Yeah. Richard Perry's a beast. Oh, so I guess – I guess – hold on. I guess maybe Bo Nickel did not have a match because he was coming off of the loss to he, – he got to sit next round because Downey lost in the quarters. Bo lost in the semis. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Got it. So anyway, and then we also have, uh, and, and as as mentioned, more to come there. Hey, when you come to Austin, I want you to, I want you and and Downey to have a sit down. <laughs> that would be funny. I'll, I'll, I'll do. I'll peer, do it. If, if he I'll would do, do it, I would do it. You know he'd do it. Yeah. Right, Ben's in. All right, cool. That'd be great. You guys, then we get security guards between us or something. Oh come <laughs> on, Dana. <laughs> yeah, we'll get Dana White. <laughs> Uh, and then Ashnault Pletcher rounding out the card. Uh, going to be, I think it's going to be a very exciting match. I'm excited to see both these guys down at 65. This will be at 67. But uh, you got the inst- last guy to win 149 pounds, Anthony Ashnault. You got a guy that we think could have won 141. I rewatched their NCAA match from Luke's true freshman year. It was like 8 7. Ashnault won on a ride out with. With a riding time point, it was a it was a crazy match. Their matches got closer as the season went on because Ashnault beat him three times that year. The first one was not close. Second one was kind of, and then yeah, that one was awesome. It was a really really good match. So excited for that that rematch. Going to be a really exciting card. We have so much to to get into about this, and we have over a month. So, Christian, is this is this it? This is it for matches. No more. Or are we are we going to add one more? I don't know. Um. Could be it. Could not be. We're certainly happy with this card and think it's great. And yeah. If opportunity so, presented itself that made that made sense, I think we'd do it. Yeah. But it's got to make sense. What about J.O. versus J.O. put out that he's wrestling Ashton? Was he lying? Um, Apparently. Because well, Ashton's wrestling Fletcher. Well, he's not wrestling. Well, I can say that Jordan Oliver is definitively not wrestling Anthony Ashton. Yeah, at the, that's fair. At the time, that was a discussed match, but they're, they're not doing it. Yeah. So... It's interesting. I was talking to Ashnault um, at the first Guerrero Oklahoma camp, and he said mm-hmm. Pletcher, one of the guys who kind of changed his perspective on um, like development in college, because we were just talking about how the first time he wrestled him, he like whooped up on him, and so he's like, ah, that that guy can't be that good. But then, kind of remembering, he said he had to put himself in the position of remembering how good he was as a as a true freshman to how he was, you know, fifth, sixth year senior and the jumps that guys made. So I think these two guys have have a lot of respect for each other, and I'm just from from what I've heard, Pletcher was just 
all systems go from Jump Street. Like, yes, I want to wrestle. I want to put my shoes on. I want to put my hands on somebody. So credit to uh, the new pit assistant for putting on the line. Yeah. Excited for that one. Other wrestling news. Kennedy Monday in the transfer portal. This surprised mm. a lot of people. Um, wrestles at North Carolina. His father, Kenny, is not a coach at the university, but he, he is the coach of the um, Tar Heel Wrestling Club, I think is the name of the, the RTC there. So mm-hmm. for, you know, the son of someone who basically works at the school to leave, I don't know what to make of that or what that actually means, but it was definitely a surprise that I got a lot of messages about like, what's up? Do you know the deal here? What's going on here? I don't, I don't know what's going on in, uh, in Chapel Hill there with Kennedy, but I know he's, he's looking elsewhere. But he sent out a tweet so, and then deleted it, mm-hmm. right? So I don't know what that Uh-oh. means. What he, so we put out guys, the news. We put okay. out the news because we saw he was in the transfer portal, okay? So we put out mm-hmm. the article, and then Kennedy immediately posted a tweet. Hey, I'm leaving, da-da-da. Um, ready to turn over a new leaf, something kind of thing. Post that tweet. Then not maybe an hour or two later, he de- the tweet's gone. He deleted it. So I don't know what that means. But the Instagram is still up, and in his story, he – like reposted our our Instagram of okay him doing it, so that was all kind of weird. He's not listed as a grad transfer, which that's gonna probably impact if he doesn't end up leaving. That's gonna impact kind of where he can go and mm-hmm. if he has a city or not. And and this was the weirdest one. And I don't know if this is just maybe filled it out wrong because I've never had to fill it out, so it might be extremely difficult. He listed do not contact. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was gonna bring up. Someone told me that. So I don't know what that means, that do, do not contact. Does that mean you're kind of left to kind of read between the lines? Does he already know kind of where he wants to go? Is he more or less, hey, I know which couple schools I'm interested in. I'll reach out to them, and I guess you can just do that and just say, hey, yeah. what's going on? Um, I'd like to come. There's obvious, like, would he go to Oklahoma State where his, where his father wrestled? Would he go to um, – you know, would he look to go towards New Jersey where his brother is? Right, his brother wrestles at Princeton. Whoa. Could he go to like Rutgers or something? This is pure speculation. I have no idea where he's looking. Yeah, um, you know where, where does he fit? Where does he fit in really well? I mean, we're talking about 165 pounds. Obviously, say um, you know, let's see, where is he not going to go? Okay, he's not going to Iowa because Alex Marinelli's the starter, right? Right. Uh, so where does it? Where does he? Someone you're like, oh, they really need someone because like you know, Penn State has Joe Lee, but obviously, you know, I think he's probably a, a mid-teens ranked guy for me uh who who really needs him oh man that'd be something if he went to penn state um he would help them i think minnesota's interesting yeah minnesota minnesota i could see that what about oregon state cowboy cowboy uh, connection i yeah. think they would there's the post yeah so that's still up the tweet is down but the the instagram which says the exact same thing use exact same picture still up hmm so, um, and you know, there's a chance maybe he doesn't leave. I don't know. Just because you're in the portal doesn't mean you leave. But when you put yourself in the portal, you can lose money. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's risk when you do that. Now, would they take that step? I don't know. But I'm I'm surprised that after this would be his last year of eligibility, right? Uh, I believe uh, so. I feel like it. And that was also somebody, just not somebody. A bunch of people were like, he could he be going to Princeton with his brother? That would be 
very out of uh, sorts for Princeton to like as a as a school, not university. nothing to do with the wrestling team. Just like as a university to allow in somebody that far into their yeah. collegiate uh, I mean, academic career. It's not easy to transfer to Ivies. Yeah, so I guess I I don't know anything about transferring to Ivies, but obviously when you're trying to get admitted initially out of high school, the, the standards are insane. They got to be the same going through college, right? You would think. I mean, Cornell is an exception, as as an Ivy is, you know, kind of there. So many of their guys go ag through school. the go through. Well, I wasn't going to say ag school. I was going to say they go to TC three, the the junior college there or the community college there, and then transfer in. That's one way they get a get a lot of guys into the school, right? But a lot like Princeton, yeah. I don't I don't think they have that kind of a a situation. Beyond that, uh, Pendleton did follow him on Twitter. Um, RBY followed him. Ooh. Which Ooh. I don't know if RBY is I don't imagine RBY is doing the brokering for uh, getting guys in. Might but be. Never know. RBY the agent. Um, yeah. So that's the recent follows on uh, Twitter. Instagram is a little... I don't know how to sort by recent followers on yeah, Instagram. Yeah, that's one of the coolest parts of Twitter. You can see who most recently followed someone. So, yeah. So, we'll see where, be, where he winds up. Yeah, Bracky confirmed last year of eligibility. All right, last year. So, this is it. One last dance. Uh, so, okay, he's not going to Virginia Tech because they got Mackay. Not going to Iowa, not Stanford. Hmm, maybe Michigan because uh, Mass is bumping up. Well, they've got Cam Amin. I don't think it would make sense to. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess Luan is. Luan 57. Right yeah. He's not going to Michigan. If okay. he does, okay. Um, all right. Very interesting could, news. Could he move weight classes, Christian? Could he move weight classes or not? Well, you know, it's funny you say that. If he went to Oklahoma State and went 74, then they don't need to use plot as a true freshman. They also mm. are more, they're more in need of a 57 or 74 than or maybe 65. he goes 57 again. Who's to say? They do cut him down there. Kennedy Kennedy's one of those guys who apparently has always looked much bigger than than he is, right? Because mm-hmm. he's just yeah. got that long frame. But like I remember when he was at 149 at the wrestling at the scuffle, I was like, "Holy cow, this guy looks enormous!" They're like, "He hardly cuts anything." But of course, he's gone up to 57 and now 65. But maybe I, he could. I have no reason to believe this would happen. But just going as Ben was going through, looking at the top teams. Nebraska is probably in need of a 65. True. That was That's one of true. the – Especially for one year, kind of with how their mm-hmm. lineup is right now. That would be interesting. But there's no indication that's going to happen. It's just looking at the needs of teams. Yeah. All we can do is speculate at this point. But as it is, one of the best uh, wrestlers at UNC looking to leave UNC. So always uh, newsworthy. All right. Nomad. You've been gone, and people have been asking about you. <laughs> people are wondering what's been going on with Nomad. People, How, people are very concerned with you during a time of quarantine and coronavirus and everything that goes on. Coronavirus. And your your fans were, were worried. Can you tell them you're okay and give us kind of the rundown of, of Nomad quarantine life? I'm okay. Uh, I am a far more boring person than perhaps people uh, – realize Hmm. so (laughs) i didn't do a whole lot during quarantine i was uh 
sequestered with a young lady for a while. Oh my! Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Is there? Are there baby, are there baby nomads coming out? What does no. sequestered mean? Oh, no. <laughs> don't don't answer that. No, your honor, objection. Don't answer what sequestered means, nomad. Nomad was see. This is news to me. All right, he's like, uh, you know, I told Nomad last night. I was like, hey, I want you to like kind of give people a catch up. I'm sure it'll be very nomad. He's like, it's gonna be very boring. And then the first thing he says, he was he was sequestered with a young lady. Are you still se- sequestered, counselor? No, I'm not sequestered. <laughs> Is it, have you have you uh, have you gotten a dowry from her family, Nomad? <laughs> no. Uh. First of all, dowry goes the other way. Man has to pay. Are you sure? Uh, okay. But no, we're he, he would know. No, we're no longer together. He would know. I don't know. She's great. She's a great girl. Wow. This is the most cut. I've ever heard Nomad talk about a woman ever. Yeah. So that's great. I'm very secretive about he is very that, secretive. that aspect of my life. Yes. Um, okay. So other than this sequestership, uh, what I else? played a lot of uh, StarCraft, which was a game from my youth. And StarCraft I, is awesome. So I don't care. Like, nerds come, or, you know, anti-nerds come at me. StarCraft is a really fun game. Uh, yeah, you got to pass a lot of time in quarantine. So play a lot of StarCraft. There's a there's a game on my phone called Retro Bowl, which is a blatant Tecmo Bowl ripoff, which I love Tecmo Bowl. Okay. Um, <laughs> Explain to me um, well, a lot of food thoughts I have. Do you grocery shop? Of course I grocery shop. Okay. If we open your fridge right now there, what, uh, what's, what's right, in there? Right now, yeah, last few weeks have been pretty bad. Um, <laughs> I've been going, like, the, going to Oklahoma and then coming back and – yeah. Yeah. So you, you gotta you gotta you know ration these things out. Uh, but I, okay, now that we have to talk about like Corona itself, people kept asking me or like my family kept asking me, why don't you just get your groceries delivered? I see no way that that like helps the no touching of things. Yeah, I agree. It's just, it's just somebody else touching your things before you touch them. Yeah. You just add to the amount of people who touched all your things. Right. Because if you go to the grocery, yeah. if you, like so in. Where I live, I go to HEB, which is a Texas thing, so I'm sure most of you don't. Basically, the only HEB has like a monopoly down here. Yes. Basically, they run (laughs) everything else out. There ain't no Kroger, ain't no Food Lion. It's all HEB all the time. Mm -hmm. And if you go to HEB and you you look around and see people and they have phones, and it's like, well, what are they doing? They're the Task Rabbit people that are picking up for, I don't, I don't know what. Like uh, the one delivery service Sprouts. I don't know what HEB's version of Sprouts is, but they're just going around picking up food the same way that you or I would. So it's the same level of touching. So I don't think I I, I don't see any way that that helps uh, prevent Corona. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I I'm with you there. I'm with you. Can, can Nomad? Can you talk about some of the other things about Corona that people are doing that don't make sense? Because I want to hear your take. <laughs> don't. There's don't a lot it. of them. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of them that don't make sense, Nomad. And I We're going to get kicked off Facebook. Uh, in, yeah, like, I don't, in like five minutes, our, our feed's going to be shut down. Yeah, I Remember don't that one time you said that something was going to happen? <laughs> and then literally two minutes later, you were I forget what you were talking about. Something with the Clintons or something crazy. And then like two <laughs> minutes later, Bracky was like, uh, our Facebook stopped working. Remember that? So don't make it happen yeah, again, uh, Ben. I don't know. Okay. Be safe, you know. Things are opening That's up it. and going back. I don't know. Be safe. Hey, uh, I did watch no man. I did watch your interview where Thomas Gilman interviewed you. I thought it was really good. Is that up on the site somewhere? Oh yes, uh, yes, it is up on the site. So 
when I was down in – thank you, Ben. I'm glad you watched that. Mm-hmm. So when I was down in Oklahoma – the or up in Oklahoma the first time, the I was hanging out with uh, Adam Fellers who brought down a bunch of the, the kids from Seabolt's club. And him and Thomas Gilman are very close. And the one night we were in uh, Fellers' room and he said, no, man, I'm going to turn the camera around on you. And Gilman interviewed me. And Gilman – when his competitive career is done, has an excellent uh, potential to be a great podcaster. Hmm. Mm, there you go. I don't know about classical interviewer because I've learned there's differences from being on the Bader show for so long. Um, but Really? What are the differences? I'm very curious. Okay. When, so when we're doing this, we're like having a conversation, yeah. right? And so mm-hmm. you can kind of be more yeah. drawn out, you know, like CP and, and I and you can we can take a minute or two to like f- say complete sense. Yeah. If you're doing an interview and the interviewer mm-hmm. is talking for more than 15 20 seconds, it gets very cumbersome. Uh, got it. Yeah. Huh. Well, podcasts are the that's the that's what people want to hear anyways now. Right. They don't like the traditional interview. They like the more. Yeah. I mean, why well, I think Joe Rogan's the number one. Yeah show in the world yeah. right now joe does i mean to your point though but joe does do a really good job at kind of more or less getting out of the way right and and kind of he probably lets i don't know i don't know if this is true but uh, when he interviews people i would say the interviewee probably talks i don't know 75 80 percent of the time what do yeah. you think no for sure for sure yeah. it's very um but he he does it in a way where it doesn't feel like it, it feels more conversational than a Q and A type of scenario. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. he's he's Definitely. really he's very talented. Obviously, skilled, skilled. <laughs> Shut up. He's talented, but he worked at it. He didn't come out of his mom's womb podcasting. You don't know that. No, yeah, no. He's he's good. Well, well, you can agree with that. Can I? Okay, please. We're not going to rehash this debate. My oh. number one issue with the debate. Is so the, re- the the reason that uh, legal documents are so long is because they need to they begin with definitions of terms, mm. and okay. y'all were just not agreeing on the definition of the words that you were fighting over, and so there was no resolution that was ever going to happen. Well, I made that point several times. Are you times. a lawyer? Are you a lawyer? No, I'm not. A, He's I'm pre-law. Not a, a lawyer. He's pre-law. Yeah, I agree. Getting, I was trying to get I was trying to get CP to define talent and he he wouldn't do it, no man. No, I definitely did. I definitely defined it. Um, <laughs> you just we agreed the no what what happened was we agreed on the same things that they existed and I choose to call that yes. thing talent and you'd choose not to call it talent. Right. That 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 was why that was why I didn't like the, the Also, debate. one of the best parts of that was when Ben at the beginning of the of the debate Said, let's keep it limited to wrestling and don't don't make it about something else like chess. And then literally, <laughs> thirty minutes later, implementing. I guess because I had him on the ropes, maybe he had to pull the chess emergency shoot. No, he had to no. get, he had to utilize a, a chess example. Well, that's that a great example. I know, but you literally said at the beginning. What's their name again? Bring- it's, it's triplet. It's the. Uh, okay. What is your name? I don't know. And, and I apologize for derailing the conversation. Okay. I, would, I would like to make one singular point about my opinion on the thing. Uh, in my opinion, talent or I, I like to call it genetic potential um, mm. 
because like some people are born taller and faster. Like that's just a thing. It, it can yeah. be improved mm-hmm. upon. Your speed can be improved upon. All that things. Um, but something like wrestling, you cannot be talented at. You can have talents or attributes or genetic potential that al- that uh, allows you to have a greater propen- propensity to be better at wrestling. But like wrestling itself, you cannot just be good at out the womb. Basketball, like shooting a basketball, <clears throat> is not a normal thing, right? Like that's not a thing that humans do. Uh, just for the sake of living. There are things that make you likely to be better at basketball, height, hand-eye coordination, agility, you know, quickness. But, like, shooting a basketball itself or being on a basketball court is not something you can be naturally talented at because it's not a thing that humans naturally do. I agree with all that. I agree. That is where I I stand on the debate. There are things that allow you to be better at something. That That is talent. Of course, there is work that goes into it. Um, but like certain things, like those skills, are skills that have to be developed, whether you have the natural uh, genetic potential or or whatever attributes to be good at those things or not. Here, here. All right. On to the next. Let's. Um, hey, do you have any uh, recruiting thoughts for yeah. us, Nomad? Because uh, I don't know all that much about recruiting. <laughs> You you uh, unabashedly have moved away from yeah. from high school over the last several years. Yeah, I don't I don't try to. I'm not gonna be like a poser like I know all these kids. I know the the, the best kids and mm-hmm. watch them, but hey, I don't know. Can, can I ask a question here about? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it'll be about high school recruiting um, slash, slash rankings. So previously, in previous years, generally speaking, you guys had pulled out of your high school rankings. Outgoing seniors, I believe it was prior to UWWs. Um, when are you guys going to do your first rankings where there are no – so what's it, class of, class of 2020s in there? Because I haven't seen that. Yeah, we should do that. Yes. So part of it is waiting for Fargo and then determining if there's going to be cadet trials. So uh, Brock and I have begun the process of – so the seniors have been pulled out on our sheet. It's a matter of getting uh, backfilling to 20. Yeah, and that's, it's going to be – I mean, yeah, it's going to be hard. You have no terms. What terms are you going to go off of? There's freaking none of them. It's annoying. Exactly. Yeah. So, yes, that process has begun. Okay. Do we want to talk about the thing we're going to do with Dave Chimizo? Uh, what? I, I don't know what that it. means. I thought we were going to talk about recruiting. I know. I'm saying the thing is going to be announced at Dave Chimizo. Oh, oh, please tell. Oh. Please tell. Yeah, sure. We're going to announce the who's number one card at Dake Chimizo. Yeah. It's going to be fire. For high school? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, you guys already have it? So you're going to you're gonna know the full lineup by Dake Chimizo. At, at Dake Chimizo. I don't know if it's going to be pre-show or whatever. But it'll who, be announced within that card. Happening? That will also be announced. Yes. October. October. Okay. Wow, so just nice. block out the That's whole awesome. month, and then we'll tell you which day in October. As the entire closer. thing. We'll give you two weeks two weeks notice, easy. No, so we'll all that will be announced uh, July twenty fifth. Mm-hmm. So it's gonna be sick. Gonna be a great right. number one. Yeah. But hey, talk about recruiting though. So recruiting, uh, recruiting class of twenty twenty two. They were able to get uh, legally contacted by coaches uh, electronic communication because they still have the dead period for physical in person visits through July thirty first. Uh, but they start getting contacted on June fifteenth. And from class of 2022, currently, by my count, there are four guys committed. Uh, Seth Shoemate committed a while ago uh, after his freshman year to Ohio State. He was an uh, Akron runner-up, Fargo champ. 
The big one, though, Eric Gibson to Cornell, and the reason that's big is, well, first of all, I think Eric Gibson has tremendous potential and a, a, kind of a, a classic Cornell guy. I think he's like 34 on the big board right now, and given what they've done with you know Gabe and Max Dean and guys like that, they certainly can extract a lot out of a guy in the, in the 30s. Um, but... Gibson has number one. Number one, Gibson's really good. Number two, he has a younger brother who is also very good by the name of Mason Gibson. He won 106 pounds at Super 32 this year as an eighth grader, and he's up to he'll probably be a 26 or 32 this year, uh, kind of depending upon how that goes. So you got to think they have the in on Mason Gibson, who is number one on the junior high big board, and then you have just a Forest Hills pipeline that is. Extremely worth going after uh, Jackson Arrington. Sorry, go so ahead. give give because uh, the Forest Hills Pipeline. Explain what is this school? How are they so good now? Because I could, yeah. you know I, I don't think a lot of people know that. Yeah. So you got you got to well that's what yeah. So I was gonna bit. I was gonna I was gonna get into the kids. So uh, Forest Hills is um, uh, District Six in PA. So they're a little bit kind of outside of uh, the. Whippeal region, right? That District Seven region. Um, so they're kind of affiliated with Young Guns. They also have. Uh, Compound Johnstown is where a lot of these kids work out. So they're they're in a really good environment to be successful between uh, you know their strength and conditioning and then obviously the the strip matters yeah. and all things going to young guns. Um, so the, the Bassett Bassett's dad runs the strength and conditioning at Forest. It's literally it's uh, literally down the hills from the Johnstown wrestling room. And yes. uh, you know when I taught there a couple summers ago. I went over, I wanted to get a workout, so I went over there and got a workout in at the, their strength and conditioning facility. I mean it's. We're, we're talking, I don't know, two two miles. Maybe, maybe that might be an exaggeration. It might not be that far. So, so well, how did cool that's know, kind of is is Forest Hills? I'm I'm not in the previous years. I have not heard of this high school being prominent. How did it get to be? This is where the kids all decided to go. I don't know. I think they all <laughs> just lived. I think in it's the area. Bassett's dad. No, I think yeah. I think it's Bassett's dad. Okay, he's the. I don't quote me on this. I'm not sure. This is just what I gathered from what I was there. What you know, three. Three days, one one day a year for three years in a row, and this is what I gathered. I've seen them at a few wrestling tournaments. Um, he and he does the compound thing. Um, I think he's been instrumental in, in bringing a bunch of people together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and you know how you know how these things kind of work, right? The the high school they're in a called fifty mile radius, and they all kind of see each other on dual teams, and they're at the same tournaments, and then they kind of you know the cream rises to the top, and they all go, okay, well, let's all end up at the same high school together so we can continue this thing going. So you got Bo and Keegan Bassett. Yes. Bo is, I don't know, top five, top ten on junior high big board. Um, now Bassett's are big Iowa guys, so it, it, it they may not be, you know, Cornell may not be able to crack into that. But, you know who else was a big Iowa guy growing up? Yanni. Who? Yanni, eighth grade, Super <laughs> really? 32. Are you had sure? Hawkeye, dude, I talked to Yanni about this. Had Hawkeye uh, headgear on when he won. I think that's when he wrestled Dayton maybe in Super 32 finals. So wow. we'll see if they can crack through that. Um, you also have Jackson Arrington, who it, it was is a PA state champ. He was down at he was actually at the Guerrero camp. Um, and then you you have you know a couple other guys that placed Easton Toth, Noah Teeter, or 2022 guys. So uh, Forest Hills, very young, very uh, up and coming program. And I mean, when when you can get an in with Young guns, and in particular, kind of this four sales program with yeah. with the compound. You're doing your job. I, yeah. it, it was seven miles away. I, I lied. It was it was a little farther than I recalled. Wow, way farther. Huge difference. So yeah, four <laughs> I thought it was really close me. in my head. 
It reminds me of kind of but, like Franklin Regional a couple of years ago, which mm-hmm. a lot. It Kimmer Shields, Maruka, Spencer Lee, Nico, all in a five-year, six-year span. All those guys went through there. Right. Um, and now it's, you know, that seems to have kind of waned a little bit at, at Franklin Regional. I don't think they have that kind of firepower. They still obviously have excellent guys like Carter Dybert. Uh, you know, he's going to Arizona State. He was third, super third, two, plays to PA uh, States a bunch. So they still have some guys that are just not maybe – the force that they were when Spencer was young. I don't, and I'm not, you know, it's, it's a good get for, I, the way I read the Gibson commitment is probably most important for, you know, Mason, right. Getting the little brother. Cause who really locks down a high school? Um, yeah, you know, no one's locked possible. down Blair. No one locked down Franklin regional. No one's locking down Forest Hills, right. in my opinion, you know, and even just having yeah. the inside track on Mason is good enough. Yeah. Right. But just having, have, one more connection, right? I mean, wrestling yeah. is wrestling recruiting is so based on connections. All the time, I'll hear guys mm-hmm. they'll commit to a school, and it's and I'll kind of be figuring out, okay, how do you end up there? And it's oh well, you know, the assistant coach wrestled for that coach in college, or they were, you know, the, yeah. this assistant coach and his high school head coach or his club coach were teammates. So just one more in is is better than than not, um, as it pertains to Forest Hills and and the Gibson family in particular. Yeah. So good get there. Otherwise, pretty quiet on the recruiting front. Yeah, I mean, so Steve committed, which I know you guys talked about. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Van Ness and Kyle Valencia are still in. From my last conversation with their fathers, in in holding pattern, I don't. I still don't think they're going to commit anytime soon. If I had to bet, I would say Van Ness is going to commit before uh, Valencia. Okay. Um, Cooper Flynn also has not committed. He's going to be an excellent lightweight. A lot of the ACC schools are in him, which kind of makes sense being from the Southeast. Uh, If you go on the 2021 big board, Bracky did this brilliant thing, which we've never done before, which is put the school list. If we have the school list for the kid where the college is. Brilliant. um, Yeah. Yeah. So kind of the the, rounding out the top five guys that haven't committed yet, uh, Nate Schoen, Braxton Brown, Evan Bates, we have all their school lists. So those are the those are the rest of the, the top twenty twenty one guys. But yeah, we're looking we're looking at a lot of twenty twenty twos right now. And um, I've been in contact with with all of them and kind of getting some updates on their recruiting. Uh, a lot of the top guys are still kind of far away. But look, Eric Gibson committed right away, so I got my my eyes and ears on you twenty twenty twos. All right, Nomads on the case. Let's go to questions from friends. What do you say? Is he like Chase? What'd you say? Is he like Chase? Yes. Um, I don't know. My, my son's really into that show right now. Paw Patrol. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Chase is on the case. That was a good show. Kids love that one. <laughs> um, do they? Mine did. They love Paw Patrol. No, man. You'll have kids someday. And, and yeah. We'll see. Keep getting sequestered. <laughs> yeah. You might have them. We don't know, no, man. I don't know. There's definitely a possibility. Okay, first question from Corey Kundert. <laughs> I'd like to hear Ben's thoughts on the mental toughness, fortitude difference, if any, between wrestling and MMA. Is competing in an all-day, multiple-day tournament the equivalent of one fight mentally? Um, no, I, I don't. I never really felt much of a difference. I, I don't think there's a huge amount of difference. Um, obviously, there's different aspects to each that maybe right so obviously at the wrestling you brought up you might have to compete multiple times which means you're gonna need to do kind of a mental reset especially say if you were to lose right and you gotta wrestle back there's gotta be kind of a reset there 
Whereas if you lose a fight, you're not going to fight again for, I don't know, two, two to three months, right, or, or something to that effect. Um, whereas in fighting, you know, maybe you're, you're worried about your paycheck or you're worried about getting injured, you know, so that, or maybe there's more people watching. So I think there's aspects to both of them that you need to tune out to have an ideal performance. Well, it seemed like for a, tur- a tournament, you have to be able to handle – various swings right like you could lose yeah. a match mm-hmm. or your teammate could lose or all kinds of different things right yes. different styles you have a to lot of different there's just so much variability whereas basically everything you've done as a mma fighter is like just pointed to this one day this one time this mm-hmm. one opponent and three to five rounds against that so i'd say it yeah. is pretty pretty different okay from nick croninger how should coaches condition pre-college athletes? I think many coaches compensate their lack of technical knowledge by spending too much time conditioning. Getting in shape is important, but how much conditioning is too much? Please give metrics on time spent, percentage. Metrics. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was just uh, – me and a couple guys were rapping about this after practice last night. A couple couple college kids – I mean, maybe there's like five or six people sitting around, but, you know, one, one kid – um, actually, who, who hopefully will end up in the rankings once you pull the seniors out? I won't tell you who it is. I don't, I don't want to bias your decision making, Nomad. Um, it's very noble of you, Ben. But he, <laughs> everyone else wants to. <laughs> I, I would not do. I would not do that. That would be unfair of me to do so. Um, so he asked, you know, what what makes Kale different? And I said, well, you know, as a competitor, as a coach, because as a competitor, I can't really answer. That's beyond my time frame where I was really like had a good knowledge of wrestling as a coach. I have some really good guesses. Cause you know, when we've had David or Jason in for camp uh, or when I've hung out with Ed Ruth, I've kind of prodded them for information on how he does it. Why, and, you know, how they do it. It, it is funny. Cause they're, they are all really secretive. Like they, they won't give you all the juice, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll be very secretive about it. Like Kale wants them to be. Um, but you know, my, my, one of the things I think is, there is a continued technical development the entire time. And we talked last week when we did the, the top five um, Penn State guys. It, it's really funny because they almost have the same thing, um, you know, where that first year they're there, whether it was, you know, Zane actually wrestled, but the rest of Richard, they're much better after that. They're much better after that yeah. than, than they are before that. And so I think there's a continued technical development the, the entire way through the career. Where, yes, a lot of other college coaches are just like, just go hard and however good you are as a freshman, technically speaking, that's how good you are as a senior and you're just going to get stronger and tougher. And and I, I that's listen, if I ran a program, that's not how I would run it, but that's how a lot of people choose to do it. I don't know why they see that as the best way because I, I, I think it's fairly proven that it's not. Maybe it's, it's easier um, and actually, one, one thing I'm going through right now as a coach is, you know, obviously for a long time I was on the, on the cutting, very, very cutting edge of technique. And now, like, I literally can't really wrestle. Like, I can't get in there and feel out a lot of these positions because of my hip, my hip issue. And so it's got to be like, well, you know, the chemizo position. I don't know if you, you guys know what I'm talking about, where the leg's on the outside and he whips his body around and they end up coming to 50-50. We've been, we've been working on that a fair amount lately, and it's like, well, I'm, I'm watching what's happening, but I can't really even get in there and kind of do it all anymore. So I got to kind of like say, well, here, here's what I think. You guys feel it out, work with this, that type of thing. So, yeah, I, but I would say uh, way, way too much time is spent on strength and conditioning, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, you kind of you tied it in 
a lot to college, but I was thinking just high school. And I'm thinking back when, oh. when I coached, like I knew I could only problem solve to a point for the guys I was coaching. And then I'd have to really, as much as I watched, and as much as I read, it's just like there was only so much I could really help them because I'd never done it, right? And not at the level mm. that they were at. So it is an easy way to kind of fall back. It's like, okay, I can get you to a point here technically, and then I can put you around guys that can hopefully help you problem solve, and I'll try to help you any way I can. But it's easy to say we're going to be in absolutely ridiculous shape and we will never get tired. And I know I fell yeah. into that for sure when I was coach. I was like, well, we got this figured out, but now we are never going to get tired of matches. And did it help? I, th- I think it did help us, but at the same time, yeah. if I c- but I know that if I could have – put more technical knowledge in these guys. I I knew that that was the answer to it. I knew that yeah, that was yeah. like the I knew that was how I could get them better, but I knew I couldn't do that for them. I couldn't get once this guy got that much better than me and everyone else in the room, mm-hmm. I really had a hard time getting them to that so, next level. Yeah. So I, I would say like I lean on those guys. Um yeah. I lean on them. I said, "What do you think about this?" I you know, I know what I think about it. Give me what you feel. And you know now, actually, this summer it's been extra awesome because none of the co- none of the college guys can practice in their own rooms, so they're all they're all forced to come back home. Essentially, I mean, we it just you know obviously AWA is different facilities, right? Mm-hmm. Just at my specific facility, I mean, we're probably getting six to ten college kids per practice that that worked out, you know, that came to us in high school and now are coming back. So it's great because you know we're getting their feedback on the topics as well, and they're all really smart and they all have great feedback. Yeah. So I think there's a couple things with this. So you're talking. So you talked about right, like you clearly saw guys get better, right? When when mm-hmm. you put the emphasis on conditioning, but it's kind of, and depending on the, I wish people had access to my brain right now because depending upon mm-hmm. the way you visualize it, it's you look at it either as like walls or or steps. Um, and so it's like okay, you're getting better. You know you're getting better. You tangibly see the results that the kids are getting better, mm-hmm. but. The way that you're going about getting better, are you maxing out how you can get better? It's like, okay, I'm in the best shape yeah. ever, and so I know I get better, but like I'm capped out here. Whereas if you kind of focus on the technical side, you can – and you go this route, or like choose your own adventure, yeah. you can get up to here. Um, choose your own adventure. Yeah. yeah no, no, but can I – so I, I always yeah, thought about that like I don't want to crap on J-Rob, but like – and this is the way I thought about it, and obviously it always worked for me, and I kind of – but like in, this, in the summer, literally in the summer. Okay, I'm gonna wrestle one tournament, and that's Fargo. Now, now there's some other things, but you know, Max was really like no tournaments besides that, because it should be about technical development. Why do I need to be in shape in the summer? So I should not spend almost any effort or energy being in shape in the summer because I don't need to win matches. I don't need to win tournaments. I need to be getting better at wrestling. So I put myself in a situation where my technical knowledge goes up. Now, maybe in the season you need to spend more time on the strength and conditioning, but in the summer. There should be a gigantic amount of technical development because you don't need to be your best competitor. Well, I would I would refute that somewhat, Ben, in that mm-hmm. I think it's it's totally for the individual. Like I know that for for someone like that was probably at your level or Max's level going in there, the the J Rob twenty eight intensive camp would not have been what you needed to like help you get to the next level. But mm-hmm. I think there's so much to to be said for like 
a, think of a regular high school wrestler, just proving yourself. Yeah. I mean, that's what wrestling was for me. Like, I really learned so much about myself and what I was able to do and, like, had my eyes opened at 18 years old. Like, whoa, yeah, yeah. there's, like, a whole other thing here that I could do that I didn't realize I could do. And so I think the 28-day camp is a is great for that reason in these intensive camps. And I, I agree. I don't think it's about being in shape going to see, because you know, you're going to finish that 28 day yeah. camp and you're probably going to take a week off or two weeks off. And then you're going to yeah. probably, maybe you're going to lull back, but you're probably going to always know that what yeah. you're able to do. So I think there is something for it, but yeah, if I was one of the best kids in the country, it's probably not how it'd spend a month. Mm. Well, okay. So I was, I, I a hundred percent agree with what you said, that everything you said there. And I, yes, I do think those are valuable. And I would say, but Christian, I would say it doesn't matter what skill level. The, the same for me, I would have the same sentiment. I do agree that getting kids over that mental hump of I can tough, I can do this, I can work hard. Like, yeah, that that's a really important one. And getting kids to believe in themselves, J. Rob does a great job at that. There's there's no no doubt about that. But even a kid who's not very good at wrestling. So say I get the next thirty days and I can have them run and lift or. I could teach him a high crotch, a single leg, and a down block go behind. What's going to be more beneficial to him winning more matches next year? Well, a good high crotch, a good single leg, and a good down block go behind are going to be significantly more beneficial to him winning wrestling matches because you have the same kid who can't do any of those skills, but he's, you know, he know, now knows he's tougher than he was before, still not help win that many wrestling matches. So I do think, yes, there is value in a kid learning, uh, learning to believe himself, learning that they're tough enough to do that. I, I 100% agree there's value, but as far as winning wrestling matches, I still don't think it's the most efficient way to do that. I've got I got three points here, and so I, I kind of want to hear your thoughts on this. And honestly, we can go through this the rest of the time if you guys want because this is awesome wow. conversation. Yeah, okay. it's fun. So, Let's do it. No, so number one, to to your point about, okay, five, 30 days to get a kid better, um, I think what is dangerous there is like uh, understanding body composition of athletes and – to do the things in wrestling, you have to be athletic, whether that is talent or whatever, or you become athletic, you work your body into the ability to do certain mm-hmm. things at a greater level. There, there has to be some kind of baseline level of quickness, strength, whatever whatever way you're using your body to maximize your wrestling. There has to be some uh, like baseline there that you can draw from to get your power, to get your quickness from. So I, I, I do think that there still has to be like some – some level of that once they get to a certain level strength and conditioning is like homework and you do that and you come to practice and at practice you learn technique and you get better and you are expected to know the material the material in this case being your body can handle going through the practice whether it's rigorous or not because you're in shape because you're strong and so it's like strength conditioning is like at some point becomes the homework and then the the last thing about your point is what would you rather a kid do it, it, for, from our perspective as wrestling folks? Fall in love with wrestling or fall in love with strength and conditioning? Yeah. Yeah. Because I see a lot I, of kids I, that are in love with strength and conditioning that happen to wrestle. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree with that. The other thing I, I would definitely like to mention too, I think this is important. Um, is with our we have an AWA syllabus and all the techniques we do and stuff and we give it out to the local coaches. But on, on the back page, we have a, a kind of a by skill level. We have two pages. Now, the number one page is 
Where do we spend our time in practice? Is it, so there's essentially four categories, teaching, drilling, sparring, live, right? So those are four categories. And then top, bottom, neutral, obviously, uh, which one by there. So, you know, for example, with our really little kids, um, it would be pretty much a waste of time to have them do any sparring because they don't, they don't get it. It just doesn't make sense, right? At the same time, I can't tell the six-year-olds, hey, go drill single legs, okay? But when I'm starting my practice with my older kids, I say, hey, guys, go drill single legs for two minutes, and then we'll get into whatever, right? So it, it kind of looks like this. Teaching is a huge component of a really, really early practice because they know nothing. So we have to teach them a lot. The teaching component goes down, it shrinks and shrinks and shrinks and shrinks. As we go down, the teaching component shrinks. Um, the drilling component grows a little bit, but it stays relatively similar uh, once you get to kind of a mid-level kid. And the sparring is where it's almost zero at the beginning, and then it, it expands to a very wide portion by the time they get older. And then the live stays relatively small the entire time at, you know, um, say 10 to 20% of your practice. So that's kind of how we like to think about it. So the, the biggest difference, the one that shrinks and the one that grows, in the beginning, the teaching is huge and it shrinks as we get older. And that's just by, by time standard because by the time you get older, I've probably taught you a lot of stuff and you sure you know it. And the sparring goes from almost nothing to a lot because essentially that is because I want you to be teaching yourself stuff by the time you get to be really old. That yeah, that's yes. fair. Okay, yeah, you're the master, Ben. That's re- that's very insightful, truly. Yeah, um, so that that's how that's how we like to think about it. Um, you know, with with our guys. Good conversation, boys. Great convo. Wow. Yeah, that was that was that was a lot of fun. Who was that? They asked us that question. Nick that Kroninger. was Nick Croninger. Thank awesome you, Nick. Question. Uh, does episode two of We Are explain if Nick Lee actually gets nine and one quarter hours <laughs> sleep a night? No, we don't get into that. That's a whole other separate film. Um, no, no sleep patterns discussed. Funniest thought during a match. I'm, I'm curious for a bit. I don't, I don't Ooh, have I got, I got a good one. Okay. I got a good one. Okay, so uh, it was my when I fought the, the juiced-up Russian in, uh, in Manila in 2016. I'm blanking on his name. Just gigantic Jack I'll look Russian. it up while you're telling the story. De- definitely on lots of steroids. Um so my buddy, who's a geologist who lives in Australia, who came to a lot of my Asian fights, Rye, uh, he wrestled me at Missouri. He had, he wanted, I believe it's Mount Pinatubo is the one that's in Manila, or the Philippines. So he had bought a trip for us to go hike Mount Pinatubo, me and my two corners and him, the four of us, the next morning, we were going to hike Mount Pinatubo. And uh, I remember, I think it was the fourth round, I had kicked hard as Hard as SHIT in the leg. And I remember thinking, I go, ah, guess I'm not hiking Mount Pinatubo in the morning. <laughs> oh and I literally gosh. remember having that thought. And then, like, oh, yeah, I just might keep fighting this guy. <laughs> was it uh, Karoshkov? No, not Kar- That was Bellator. It was the one that was in, it was the one that was in one championship. Okay, not Abasov? No, after that. Alex Sakin? Uh, yeah, Alex, yeah, yeah, Alex Sockin, Alex Sockin, Nikolai Alex Sockin. Uh-huh. Okay, got it. Yeah, that one, that one. I, I, I kicked it in the leg. Yes, it, it is Mount Pinatubo, uh, very large volcano, and I, I think it was like 1991 or so. Five five-minute rounds? Yeah, and it was like Jeez. the fourth round. He kicked me in the leg, and I'm like, oh, God. I'm not I'm not going to be able to hike Mount Pinatubo in the morning. How yeah, sore was, was that leg in the morning? 
Dude, like one good if the leg kick lands right, like dude is not like I can't even imagine I can't imagine being uh say Uriah Faber when he got kicked all those times by Jose Aldo. Like I can't imagine what that felt like. It had to be terrible. I mean, I remember Lima landed one really, really hard leg kick on me and Alex Sakin did. Those are the two that I can remember like being like, Oh, that was that was really hard. That was like the perfect spot. And, you know, it's like your leg is sore for, I don't know, 10 days or so. It's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds brutal. Uh, that's it. I'm not getting into mixed martial arts. One time, Ben Askren need me in the ribs at Top Golf. That wasn't fun. I did not. This is an accusation. Ben that's Askren is that friend. You know, you, I've said, I've given this story before. You know, everyone has that friend that's like, you know, that always kind of hits you and stuff. And it's like, you know, everyone has that guy's like, oh, shoulder gets you. But Ben does it. He's an actual MMA champion and he hits people. Jeez. Big, hey, you know you should ask about man. the leg kicks? Mark Bader let uh, let Mo Lawal's trainer kick him three times in the leg. I, I don't know why he did that. That was a really, really terrible <laughs> left decision. He told me about that. So he's told me that story multiple times, just how about how painful oh. it was. He's like, he's like, it felt like they, he was able to pull my muscle apart and just kick it right on my bone somehow. And then he would like oh. kick him. He would be like, God. the guy was like thirty percent. He would kick me and he like fifty percent or like so, like basically, he was telling Bader he was barely kicking him. And you know, Bader is a very very tough person, and he was like, yes. I thought I was gonna throw up. It was so bad. It had to be so because this was like. They weren't even fighting. It was just he just got to kick him, you know? He said to take I don't know it. How Mo, Mo talked Bader into this. Yeah, that was like, that was awful. Yeah. Come on. All right. He, he's, he's wisened up now. I don't think he's doing that kind of stuff anymore. He's doing better. Okay. Funniest thought during a match was I don't want to hike. Have you had any funny thoughts? One time you thought I should do a front flip when, when you're in a ball and chain and it worked. <laughs> <laughs> that is why, like, Dude, do you know that would be the most viral clip in like F- Flow Wrestling history if we somehow had video of that moment? Oh they, my gosh. People yeah, have asked so awesome. many times is there a video of the front flip out of the ball and chain from Nomad? It's this is why, number one, this is why I should probably try jujitsu at some point. I like, I enjoyed the, the thought process of like, okay, how do I get asked? Obviously, I was terrible. That aside, but like I enjoyed the process of okay, what is the best way of getting out of this or putting putting the other person in this position that is going to cause them the most pain? And in that instance, my brain went, "All right, well, you're not going that way. You got to go that way." So he did a front flip, and it worked. It was genius. Well, we'll have to have a behind the dirt on that at some point. <laughs> Man, I don't know if this is an eight minute question, but uh, I really want to ask it. So here we go, Cooper uh, Wills. There have been a lot of great 184, 197 pounders in the last 20 years. Which one do you think would have stylistically matched up best against Kale? Does anyone have a greater than 5% chance of beating the GOAT? Jaden. That's mm. exactly who I was going to say. Jaden. Jaden yeah. Michael Tabori Cox. Is there anyone else? I feel like Jaden, it's like Bo, Bo is certainly up. Bo and Ed are up yeah, there. Yeah, but I just I think stylistically I don't think they match up great because they're like kind of in Kale's wheelhouse, whereas Jaden yeah. is in no one's wheelhouse ever. Jayden's, like no one well, wrestles hold on, hold like Jaden. I but I think you have to define like is it does Ed get to wrestle freshman Kale? Uh, because that because the only year he was at ninety seven like 
Bo was his senior year, so obviously that was the best version of Kale. I mean, his freshman year, didn't he only win by one or two in the NCAA Finals? So if it's a really good, say, junior year at Ruth, now that's a different story. Are we defining it as the ultimate Kale and it's somehow he cuts down? I, I, I don't – I'm certain that Kale got much better, but, you know, undefeated Hodge Trophy winner, it would seem like he was extremely dominant as a freshman, right? Um. I, I don't know. Um, the thing with Jaden, though, like if you can get if you could get any of these guys during Kale's four year window, where you can say, yeah, this guy's got a thirty percent chance of beating Kale, make that scenario happen. The thing with Jaden and Ben, I mean, Ben knows this probably better than both CP and I combined, but like his ability to process information during matches is mm-hmm. staggering. Like his ability to pretty much always know where his body should be, how to put the other guy's body is like his ability to process information is incredible. I think he would need a couple cracks potentially. And I don't know who the cracks would favor, right? But I don't know though. Cause he doesn't watch film. Doesn't you watch know? Film. Yeah. Like he, like he, he, he feels it during, during the match. And he yeah. just has put himself in so many. He his his he puts no, himself in so many positions. I'm not saying, film, I'm not he, saying it's he's not yeah, gonna yeah. he's not gonna wrestle him and then break it down. He's gonna wrestle him and feel it and then like okay yeah. and like problem solve and then the next time maybe. But if they wrestled ten times, if he, I think if he had five cracks at Kale, I think maybe 197 Jim yeah. had a chance, right? But that's it, a it, yeah. At the very least, it's it's awesome to watch. I mean, at the very, it, it's not Kale does not blow him out. That we we know that for sure, right? For sure. I don't think he's getting turned. Sure. Jaden's track record for getting turned is. Uh, uh, did it ever? Folk style? Did he ever give up near fall? He maybe never. did, but I don't remember it. Uh, he basically had one bad tournament. Yeah, he ever. Lo- he had the Macintosh and Snyder loss year. Yeah. Right, which even that I I mean, now the thing. So the thing there he also stylistically was like four or five and one against Macintosh. He like owned him. The the thing there stylistically and granted, again we we just admitted this is like worst version of Jaden Cox. Snyder took him down with an ankle pick. Yes, he did when he beat him. That was obviously like that. Kale was very good at an ankle pick, but we're also not taking that version of Jaden. Kyle Snyder won Worlds that yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah. Really Kale good. didn't even win Worlds his senior year. Right. <laughs> well, Kale made the team in 01, and then Worlds got pushed back. And so we went to the bullpen, and Coach Eggum yeah, got silver. Got silver. Shout out Coach Because Eggum's a badass. Yeah, are there any others? What, are, are we not looking for the CP, what place did uh, Kiel take in 02? I'm blanking in 02. In 03, he took silver, right? We didn't wrestle in 02, Ben. It was in Iran, and it was post 9 11. Oh, my God. I forgot. So none of those oh, guys wow. got okay. to wrestle. 03, he got silver. 03, he got silver. He lost silver. to Sajidov. And then 04, That's why, yeah. he won. Yeah. Olympics. Sajidov was. Yeah. We're going to get into that. Who were that, some that other was 97. I, th- I think the, Bo Nickel and, and Jaden are. are the two that would be the most competitive. Hey, what about Greg think. Jones? Mm. If it's younger Jones. Kale, that's really interesting. I think Greg and I think Greg and Jaden are probably the two for me that are, are the and, most. I mean, because Jake Varner was a great ninety-seven, but certainly 
you know, I, I would. Maybe he think. could give Kale problems. Maybe he's, he'd be so strong. But I taught you everything you know, but not everything that I know. Ah, yeah, that kind of thing. That'd be a tough one. That'd be a tough one for. Him. See, I would say Greg Jones and uh, and Jaden would be my two. And Greg, Greg would have heat with Kale because Kale beat Virtus. Oh, there you go. Yes, good call. Gotta love the heat. It's a little brother uh, stuff. Okay. This podcast solely, uh, especially when Bracky's on, but this this podcast is on more for Greg Jones' legacy than anything because that dude is <laughs> absolutely a forgotten great. He really is. Um, okay. Tyler, we're ready to go. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. 512, the Austin area code. Mm-hmm. We'll be back tomorrow. Nomad will be back. He's here all week. I hope he can do this yeah. next week because I'm going to be gone next week. Yeah, all week. Uh, I've got another episode of Beta Show, another Who's Number One the Show, uh, depth chart and target articles for NC State and Cornell coming out this week, and then all of the Dick Chimizo content you can handle for the next month. Yeah, baby. Thanks so much. Thanks to Ben. Thanks to you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. Have a good Tuesday. Thank you. <laughs>